No screaming in your ear. No intolerable opinions. No nonsense. Just logic, controlled debate, and facts. It's time to empty the bench with your hosts, Tom Albano, Nick Federa, and Nick Morgison. That is right, you are listening to Empty the Bench. It's episode number 15. I'm your host, Nick Federa, along with my venerable co-host, Mr. Nick Morgison. We don't have any Tom Albano this week because he's actually camped outside of Brian Cashman's home. He's got a boombox in the air. Kind of like that move, the end of that movie, Say Anything. He's trying to sign Garrett Cole, and desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. But no matter. We are here for you, and we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of baseball to talk about. We do? Yeah, finally, specifically. The hot stove has started to, I don't want to say boil, but it's a roiling simmer. You could say that they finally put the coals on top, and you're starting to see some smoke fly up in the air. Yes, indeed. So, well, so we saw a huge deal when Tom and I brought it up to you over the past couple of days in our pre-show meetings. I think you were very confused and wondering how this amount of money was possible. Flabbergasted, really. If you wanted to put a word to it, yeah. And I think the words that I used when this deal came out was market setter. And I think this is a market setter. So Zach Wheeler, former Met, probably was i want to say a three or a four three or the, three three or a four on in the mets rotation on any other team he's a four or five but on the mets staff at least this year he was a three three yeah so he signs a five-year 118 i didn't stutter 118 million dollar contract with the phillies now for those of you who are mets fans the, the ones I know who are Mets fans have been at least calling into Sports Talk Radio for the past, what has it been, three, four days since his signing broke? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can't, I can't say they've been, they've been sad to see Wheeler go. It's, I, it's just I keep seeing shock about the, that amount of money he spent, the I think, money he got. I think Philly was in desperation, and we're seeing this over the past couple of weeks, and – of course, the Phillies ownership made a stupid comment last year where they said, we're going to spend stupid money and we're going to bring in everybody. They brought in Bryce Harper on, what, a 13-year contract uh, worth $320 million. And he wasn't wrong, though. He wasn't wrong, but at least we're now seeing it. I just saw John Heyman report it that basically they stepped away from that comment finally, and they're just trying to spend the money, which you have to do in today's game. And we'll get into another team, well, our team, who's finally in the mode of wanting to be the big bad evil Yankees again. But we will get to that. Let's let's talk about let's talk about who signed first before we get into who might sign where. But would you say that's a market setter before we move on? Oh, absolutely. If he's gonna get five years, one hundred eighteen million, I could just imagine what 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 you know the rest, the Cole and Strasburg and everybody else are gonna get. But speaking of Cole, another Cole, Cole Hamels, who seems to always find a team and always find the money, even though he's probably on the Not down. Not the he was to be to be generous, at least. He, he's on the down, down, down side of his career. And he signs a one-year $18 million deal with the Braves. And the Braves, you know what? I give them credit. They've been on the hot stove prowl before most of the teams this year. 
he definitely does help them. And I, and I think I, I wouldn't exactly call it thrift shopping because it's not like the, he's a bargain bin player. He can still pitch. I mean, people throw money at him. I think I think it's pretty obvious that they weren't going to be going big game hunting because they can't really afford it. They can't really afford it. It's, even though apparently Atlanta's not a Atlanta's a small market. Apparently. Well, you know what? They took a chance on a guy like uh, Josh Donaldson. He won Comeback Player of the Year, and yeah, now. And, and, and look what it did. Didn't he just get a deal? He was on a two-year deal, but he got comeback player of the year in the first year of the deal. So, so you know what? That might work out. So who's to say that that him being a member, uh, Clyde Hamels being a member of the Braves rotation isn't going to work out? Elsewhere in the National League, we've got Mike Mustakis, formerly of the Brewers. This one confused me in the weirdest frankly, way. Frankly, it's a little it's a little stunning when you hear about it. He got four years, $64 million from the Reds, the Cincinnati now, Reds. Right, and I don't know where the term of largest signing in Reds history is coming from because I would have thought that the Joey Votto contract was the largest signing in their history. Well, that's spread out over longer. We're talking about average annual value. Okay, so that's what I, uh, that's what I was, wanted to clarify. So I guess it's more per year in this contract. Now, if the Reds are spending, let's see, about $18 million a year that comes out to. So roughly, or actually, it's probably closer to 16 If that's the largest average annual value for the Reds, what is that telling you? It's telling you that the, that the Reds are fun. They're, they're spending like somebody who just won the lottery. I mean, I like Mike Moustakis. I, I really thought that the Brewers should have brought him back. But this could be the Reds basically saying, we, we want to win. We want to play. And we've heard the Reds in connection with uh, Didi Gregorius, but uh, we're not exactly sure how far that along how far along that is. We heard the Phillies also. We we've heard the Phillies also in connection with him. Oh and, wait a minute! Tell that Romine, as a matter of fact. I was going to say, tell that story that you heard about the rumors of Didi and Romine and Batances. That's exactly that's exactly it. The all three of them have been meeting with Joe Girardi, who, of course, if you don't know, is now the manager of the Phillies. So he might want to <laughs> create a new a National League Yankees team south of the Jersey Turnpike. You know what? That so annoys me, like when coaches or managers go to another team and they're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go talk to my guys and see if I can bring them in rather than making their own representation of a team. I'm going to build a statue of David out of, st- out of spittle and coffee grounds. <laughs> so elsewhere, we've got some trade action, too. We've got Dylan Bundy, started from the Orioles. He got traded across country to the Los Angeles Angels. The team that's going nowhere. A team that's going nowhere, but, hey, you might as well swing a trade if you can. It broke last night that Tommy Pham of the, uh, of the Rays – got traded cross-country to the San Diego Padres for Hunter Renfro. And uh, apparently Blake Snell, who was on Twitch last night, I think he was... I saw this. So we're recording this Friday. This happened Thursday. And I I see this and I'm like, whoa, that tells you how social media travels fast. Yes, he did. And he didn't take it well. And he referred to the package as Hunter Renfro and a quote unquote, and excuse my language here, a slapdick prospect. <laughs> which 
I haven't heard that word in a long, long, long time. But wow, that that didn't go over well. I could imagine he's getting a. Well, Tommy Pham. I, I was looking up some of the statistics to see what the big commodity is. He's a home run hitter, and but doesn't really he, he hit two seventy three this past season. He did really well in Tampa, though, is for, uh, considering what was expected well, of him. Anyone will hit offensively in Tampa. That's not saying much. I was having an argument with a coworker about this game. Today's Major League Baseball is not about average. It's all about can I put the ball over the wall. I mean, he was good at that, so I guess the Padres really wanted, but you, uh, they really wanted somebody who can, you know, bop, but you trade your number eight prospect for Tommy Pham? That's the problem with this deal, and, I, and the argument I'll make, and I'm sure I'm going to get all the ats on social media when I make this next comment, this game is not about average. I'm sorry. It's all about, can I smack the, the baseball over the wall? He hit 273 this past season. That's about average. Anything what's, from, hot, what's hot take about that? That's common knowledge. Because people Everyone think that... Because people are upset that people are just swinging for the fences. So anything from 270 to 285 is about an average average in Major League Baseball. You're an average but Major League hitter. People want home runs, and you must give the people what they want. I, I understand that, but I'm saying for people who are looking for average... The, you, yeah, don't, don't go here. That, you're going to have to this get in line. that is anymore. You will make $100 million, or actually, excuse me, you'll make $200 million if you can hit 40 home runs a season. That's really what it is now. In fact, yeah, yeah, exactly. So in other news, we've got, we need to shift over to a, a bit more of speculation. Uh-oh. The Madison Bumgarner, uh, uh, recently of the uh, San Francisco Giants. Oh, my God. Free okay. agent market, and he is expected as far as the rumor mill tells us, to get at least $100 million plus in the offers that he'll be getting. Now, the teams reportedly involved in the bidding are the Cubs, the Yankees, the White Sox, the Twins, in that order. So from a Yankees perspective, I don't see how, you know, paying him $100 million would actually, you know, why would you pay $100 million for a, a guy who's not the pitcher he was? There's one reason, the only reason that you would pay him $100 million, and I – for me, and I told both of you uh, that I think he shouldn't even he should be making half of that. He's not worth the hundred million. And the only reason you pay him a hundred million is one reason: not the regular season, the postseason. Yeah, I, I mean, postseason postseason success is really, I think, more of a bellwether. Postseason pedigree for whether a pitcher is good nowadays than it ever was. Well, that's why these some of these guys make so much. Is because oh wait you have a postseason pedigree and you can pitch well and you can lead us through the promised land in the playoffs. To me though, that's that's money wasted. If the, the play the playoffs are a crapshoot anyway. Well, they I don't are, know. You I don't could know be a good you could be a good pitcher and, and crap in the playoffs. And no, I I understand. Good in the playoffs. I, no, I get that. Well, Justin Verlander proved that he can't pitch in the postseason, but they still won. But that's a yeah. whole different situation. But I was going to say, Madison Baumgartner has a proven track record that he can totally put a team on his back in the postseason. Now he's not the same pitcher. He's not throwing that ninety six, ninety seven. And I'll go to another example: Clayton Kershaw, who totally crapped under the pressure in the postseason the past couple yeah. times. And he has no fastball anymore. He's the prototypical uh, example of folding under pressure in the playoffs. 
Yes. Having a good postseason resume gives you basically carte blanche to open up the bank. And just to tie everything together, it's been reported over the Twitter sphere. We'll take that what you take that for what you will. <laughs> that um, the Yankees already met with Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. And over the past week, we've heard that Cole believes that there is no coast bias here. He'll go wherever he wants to win. That's BS. The cash, as of, I think, last night, was given the okay by Hal Steinbrenner and Yankees management to, quote, unquote, open up the coffers and offer Garrett Cole a record deal. Right. So what happened was there were reports from Jeff Pass and and Heyman and all the MLB insiders that upper level ownership gave Cashman the okay to basically say, given the record setting deal, we need to move forward. And I finally, when I saw that, I said, way to go. You're finally going to open the bank. Like you said, you were going to, I mean, he's worth it. If he gives you look, the only thing you're paying for is a championship. And he, and if he can win one cha- if he comes to the Yankees and wins one championship, People will say it's worth it. It was like CeCe when they brought him in. Yeah, that's what they did. He won. Oh, he won in 09 for them the first year they brought him in, and they still and they consider his signing a success. I mean, as much as some of those signings were not as great in the long run, I mean, CeCe and AJ Burnett and Mark Teixeira in the first year alone all did. They did what they needed to do to win in New York. Now they did, after they did what they were brought in to do. Everything at, afterwards, it was just you know a they train wreck. But injuries being what they are, and age being what they are, or in AJ Burnett's case, you know, whatever whatever he was struggling with, I'm not going to get into that. But um, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of whether I lend these reports any credence, because again, you hear that the Yankees are in, 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 and then you see somebody sign with the the freaking Padres or something. I mean, so what money are we talking? We're probably talking about two fifty north of two hundred and fifty million, which is crazy for a pitcher in today's game because you don't see those deals anymore. I mean, is Cole worth it? Yes. The problem with it's the agent we're dealing with, Scott Boris. It's BSBS syndrome. Uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah, you're going to be dealing. You have to negotiate with him, and you have to negotiate with Boris. So whether or not Cole actually signs with them, again, it's up in the air because the Phillies have been linked to him. Right, but back to the one comment you made, that uh, he has no West Coast bias. That's BS. He went to UCLA, and I think he came out of California. So I don't want to but hear what I meant. what I meant was he doesn't care where, where he plays. He just wants to win. Well, yeah, he's going to go where the paycheck is. And I and CC uh, had actually said that on – a couple episodes ago on his podcast, uh, R2C2, that he does with Brian Rucco, he says, it doesn't matter. He'll go where the money goes. It's the exact same situation with him. But, again, I am a cynic when it comes to these things. I will believe it when I see it. I mean, I do. Th- I believe the Yankees, when they say they're going to make him an offer, they can't refuse because they need a top-of-the-rotation ace. They do not have it right now. So the ball is, if you believe the reports, the ball is in his court. I have a feeling this is going to be like Giancarlo Stanton, where he wasn't going to sign, he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to sign on, then all of a sudden, boop. Do you see any team making an offer that high along with the Yankees if they're going to really do what they say they're going to do? The Dodgers. The Dodgers, of the, I, I, I could see them making a move that 
I don't want to say stupid, but... What about the Angels? Uh, There's really no reason to go there because they're going to be losing for many years to come, probably. They're going to be rebuilding, and they, they, got, they got a new manager, didn't they? Madden, right? Yeah, yeah, they got Joe Madden. So I think the Dodgers would probably be a better West Coast option for him since they're more, you know, better equipped to win within the next two to three years. All right, one last thing here, and yes, this we must we must shift gears. So. Well, wait, there's one more move, which was the the Cubs, and yes, this the name Cubs actually, yeah, they they non tendered Addison Russell. And he was a story because he had a lot of issues through this past season with uh, domestic violence. And this was an interesting story because he couldn't really get back on the field. And And domestic violence issues. So, And we just saw it with uh, Domingo Herman. He basically sat out of the playoffs due to domestic violence. It's just, you know, work on your stuff, man. Work on your stuff. Speaking of uh, taking violence out on somebody. So what we actually heard, what, what must be added as a, part of, as a part of this whole hot stove conversation, it's not just players, it's also owners. So deep, deep, fans, deep, think, deep, deep. Mets fans, I think, got an early Christmas gift. Well. It was reported to the, well, a Christmas well, gift that you can't open for five years. Let's put it this way. It's like opening a loan on a house and paying it off over five years. So, again, context is necessary. So, Steve Cohen, who is apparently a billionaire. Uh, try billionaire many times over. Yeah, billionaire, I think $13.8 billion is $13 billion, yeah. He is, he owns 20% of the Mets right no, now. No, 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 no. He owns 4%, and he's trying oh. to get up to 80% in the next so, five years. he is in negotiations with the Wilpons, meaning Fred and... Uh, Fred and Jeff. Wait a minute. They know how to do financial things? You would think so. But he, they, they, he's in negotiations to have to hold 80% of the franchise, which means that the Wilpons would be, in effect, selling their stake in the team and leaving Steve Cohen in charge. They'd be dead ducks walking, basically. So, of course, what must be added is the Wilpons would remain in control, meaning they would be CFO and COO, respectively, for the next five years. So you wouldn't see Steve Cohen until running the team proper until 2025. See, if you could see what I was thinking right now, I'm having one of those moments like where the weird question mark comes up above your head when it comes to that the Wilpons will remain the CFO and the COO for five years, even though they're going to own less than Steve Cohen's going to own. It's a monkey's paw thing. Only nope. you'll get what you want. No, but I... You're going to see... You're going to spend the next five years handcuffed to him. And here's the thing. And I wrote it out on uh, Facebook, and I wrote it out on Twitter as well, And I, when I saw this happen. And I basically said, you know what? As a Yankee fan, I feel... I felt good, finally, for the Mets fan base. Because the Wilpons are the, were the worst and most dysfunctional owners in all of Major League Baseball. In a city wherein Jim Dolan operates, that's saying something. That's making a statement. I mean, well, and if, you're, if you really need context, we can go all the way back to when the Mets uh, invested with Bernie Madoff and ended up in the Ponzi scheme and basically had all their money frozen. Exactly. And, and you know what it is? It's... I feel like I want to take this segment and put it in a time capsule, and if we're still <laughs> five years... 
<laughs> if this goes through, I'd like to go back and listen to it and see basically what's changed because apparently this guy throws away money like candy. So apparently he's going to be the big spender if he actually goes to. Um, oh no, he'll be the richest owner in Major League Baseball if when this goes through. So they can fi- the Mets can finally start acting like the major market team they actually are. Well, I heard so much quick speculation when this deal was coming forward. Well, does that mean they're going to go after Garrett Cole if he has the money to spend? And I'm like, all right. No, uh, not right now. Calm down. I'm like, hit the brakes. Seriously. You, you jump in a little too far. I know Mets fans are excited that they're finally going to have a non-dysfunctional owner and that they're going to do everything. But remember, like Nick said, they're still going to be handcuffed to the Wilpons for five years. This and, is a problem for future us, not present us. And I hate the Wilpons. I mean, I don't think they never wanted to spend the money necessary to make this team better. They've only made stupid deals. And I hate to say this because I like this guy, but the Beltron deal was stupid. And Signing made, him as a player or signing him as a manager? Signing him as a player. Oh. The ten-year deal that, or whatever, seven-year deal, you don't whatever. You have to go back that far. Go to go to uh, Jonas Cespedes. The Cespedes deal, who apparently was in his farm and he stepped in a hole and hurt himself. Which, a... Boy, if that's not if that doesn't sum up the Mets over the last decade or so. And fighting and fighting with Degrom to give him a contract uh, after winning back-to-back Cy Young awards, and Noah Syndergaard still out there, not signed, and this whole so, organization's a mess. Yeah. So, again, I'd like to save this segment as a time capsule, and if we're still doing this in five years, back to it, and we'll, 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 see, we'll see how it aged. Hopefully, it aged like fine wine and not milk. Uh, oh, sour milk. Yeah. Gross. So, on that note, we must switch gears from the MLB to the NFL. We've got some NFL news. Talking about dysfunctional owners. <laughs> Talk about dysfunctional owners. It it came out this week that Riverboat Ron Rivera, the ex-head coach of the Carolina Panthers, was, of course, removed of it, or relieved of his duties, and he intends to continue his coaching career. Well, so, did, you, did you see the press conference he gave? Didn't he cry? Or he got emotional, didn't he? He got emotional, and he started attacking, saying that, I went to back-to-back-to-back conference games, and I, which is true, which is true, Give which is a- true. He made it to a Super Bowl. He went fifteen and one one year. The guy is spectacular as a coach. He will find a job. I have no doubt in my mind. But David Tepper, the owner who took over for uh, the racist Jerry Richardson, who yeah, was Jerry to, Richardson, yeah. who, was, who was forced to sell the team. He, he who looks like a character in a Charles Dickens novel. Jeez. <laughs> but this whole thing was a mess and apparently they're already talking to guys to come in now i don't know could we see mccarthy come in and take this job could we see uh i heard lincoln riley who's more with the uh rumored to the cowboys we'll we'll get into the cowboys a little bit more when we go uh we go on into the episode here's something you you haven't considered we know, as the resident Giants fan for this episode, <laughs> so we haven't considered the possibility that he might be the he, the Giants might go after him because we all. I think we both are in agreement that 
Pat Shermer's not not lasting this season, right? Oh no, he's he was sunk like halfway through the season already. I think it was I think it was less than halfway through the season, but let's not argue semantics. Well, I, I it wasn't he a good choice. Right. I was just going to say that even though I think he got a bad end of the stick, I think the injuries did not help. Saquon being hurt, uh, Daniel Jones now being hurt. We'll get to that in the rapid rundown. I'm not even talking about that. What I'm talking about is I think Ron Rivera, I, I would trust him more than I would trust somebody like Jason Garrett giving him the reins of my team. Well, Jason, Jason Garrett is dysfunctional. We know that. I would, but I would. But you know what? I'm going to eat these words later. I know I am. But you know what? That's part and parcel. But I, I think that he would be a good choice. He would be a good choice. Well, you would finally have the experience necessary at that position. And the, and then the ability to win. Well, I wouldn't go that far. You can't say that a coach is the answer to winning. You have to build a proper yeah, team. Yeah, you have to build a roster, and they have that. And I think Saquon could be that piece if he was healthy. Now, the problem with Saquon being that he's already been injured, it doesn't help the fact that running backs are a three-year window. Is that about what they say? Three to five years, give or take. And he's already been hurt. So that's going to kind of slow down the mileage on him. <laughs> well, yeah. But, but again, look, I know this is a dumpster fire. This, this is... This is not that it's going gonna, it's gonna to take years to untangle. So, right, but, but I want to go back to the Panthers for a second, which with the whole Ron Rivera situation, I think he got the raw end of the stick. I think he could have kept coaching there. Cam Newton did not help his case being injured, and he's probably not going to be back with the Panthers after this year anyway. I mean, yeah. And Kyle Allen, who was good for the first couple of weeks, has now crapped the bed. I mean, were you expecting anything less? No, but if you watched his first couple of weeks, it looked like he was going to be the, like the stand-in to replace Cam Newton, and now he kind of fell off. Yeah, we said that about Gardner Minshew, and he turned out to just be a mustache. Well, actually, they finally benched Nick Foles. I think he's starting the re- the last four games of the season. Yeah, we'll get it we'll, again. We'll get into that when we get to the rapid rundown. But just to sum up, Ron might might have been given a bit of a raw deal. You're right. Speaking of, uh, oh, I don't know if you want to call it raw deal or just funny. But Jason Garrett, the Cowboys. <laughs> so yeah, we we didn't have we didn't have a specific spot for this planning out this episode. But it you happened. mean laughing at the Cowboys? Yeah, the Thursday night game happened the day before we were recording, and we kind of had to mention it because it, it, it's kind it's kind of like a, a car fire. You lost to the Bears. It's hypnotically beautiful, but kind of screwed up in a way. You lost to the Bears. I, I, that's all. I, that's what I can say at this point. They lost to the Bears. And so Mitchell Trubisky. Six, yeah. So they're six and eight right now, right? Seven. Six and seven. Six and seven. So a five, six, seven, eight, and suck. <laughs> <laughs> when Troy Aikman is dunking on you, and Troy Aikman's <laughs> he's carried water for a lot of bad Cowboys team in the past. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back? I'm sorry, but but this is, I mean, talk about a, a waste of talent. We talk about the Browns wasting talent. What about the Cowboys? They have players that on paper should have worked. But it's like Ikea furniture. The, the instructions look great, but all of a sudden, I don't know where the seat is. Well, or it's good furniture, but the, but the instructions are in French. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, the instructions are in Dutch. 
So you can't understand what you're trying to put together. Well, or you know what you're putting together, but you can't understand how to make it work, which is what this the Cowboys is a couch, are. It's a windmill. I, I just, I don't understand Garrett and I don't understand Jerry Jones. Could someone explain Jerry Jones to me, please? I mean, he likes to stick up to his guys to the bitter, uh, for his guys to the bitter end. And the bitter end, of course, being, you know, kicking and screaming. I mean, even though he's been making a lot you gotta of. You got to do to think you need to make a change. I understand you like the guy. Well, but wait a minute. Obviously, he's lost the locker room. But he's been making a lot of deceptive comments as of late over the past couple of weeks. Well, oh, well, we're going to look at our situation. Does that mean you're getting rid of Garrett? Or what does that mean you're doing? Look, just be, I mean, he, he's acting like some kind of dime store Al Davis. And, and, I, and I don't think you want to – I don't know if you want to do that. I mean, it's I mean, it's Huffies. He's, coast, he's coasting on what the team did in the You night. know what? I think the Cowboys are a pawn shop. Basically, they're they're spending money on borrowed time, but they don't know how they're going to pay the money back. And you know what the real screwed up part is? What? They're in contention for the division. That well, that division, the NFC East, is like the NFC least is so bad. The Cowboys stink. The Eagles lost to the Dolphins, giving up thirty-seven points. The Redskins. We've mentioned, we've mentioned our agita with the Giants before. The Giants are. are Terrible. The Redskins are the Redskins. And somehow, by the way, and I hate to say this, the Redskins are technically still in contention. Hey, you ever see a team compete for a Super Bowl with a below 500 record? No. Actually, you know what? I can't say that. Maybe the Pan- they have. The Panthers, the, Panthers, the Panthers made the playoffs with a sub-500 record a couple of years ago. But wasn't it true that one year the Panthers had like a 12-4 and record or 11-5 and record and were the wild card because that division was so loaded? I think so. I'm not exactly sure what year that was, but... There's always one division where someone's like 11-5 and five and they almost end up missing the playoffs due to the structure of the playoffs. And I was just like, whoa! And... So, All right. yeah, so we've got a lot more to talk about, but right now, well, we've got to stock the bench. Wait, wait, wait. Before we, before we go, on the other side, the Jets. When, when we come back... There's going to be a Jets rant of epic proportions. Apparently, I was told I have to come up with a Jet rant. So, that should be interesting. And we have the rundown. Well, so we've got a rapid rundown and empty the bench this week. It's going to be a barn burner, folks. Stick around. It's time to restock the bench. Welcome back to Empty the Bench. Along with Nick Federa, I'm Nick Morgison. Uh, again, Tom Albano is out in front of uh, Cole's Brian house. Brian Cashman's house with a boombox over his head. He's trying to woo Garrett Cole or right. woo Brian Cashman to sign Garrett Cole. I mean, we don't know. He kind of sprung this on us last minute. But I, I don't understand why he had to dress up like a cherub, you know, with the diaper. And the <laughs> I, I don't get it. All right. Again, uh, Different stro- different strokes for different folks. Yeah, well, talking about different strokes for different folks, this we're is going to get ugly. We're talking about the the almost literal stroke you had this past this past Sunday. So- All right, I, I'm going to put a disclaimer on this conversation right now. This is going to get very, 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 very ugly, very f- quickly. So I'm not going to eat up any 
more time. So take it away, my boy. Take it away. So we've talked about how the Giants have been uh, terrible in epic proportions this season. We've talked about the injuries. We've talked about Saquon Barkley. We've talked about Daniel Jones, who's now injured. We'll get to that. But the Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I, I don't know what to say, Nick. They've lost to the Dolphins. They've now lost to the Cincinnati Bungles. They are terrible. So, yeah. Let me see if I can be your anger translator here. So, what Mr. Morgerson is trying to intimate here is that the Jets um, actually, uh, I believe the word is suck. So, worse. They lost. They lost to the Bengals, who did not have a win. Now they have a win. First time in the 100-year history of the NFL, two teams 0-7 or worse, they gave them their first wins. So this season has pretty much been a dumpster fire for both New York football teams, but we will disagree on one thing. If you think that Chris Johnson is going to fire Adam Gase... He already said he wasn't. He's not going, But he's not going to. I'm just making sure you know that. And I'm so... PO'd right now that Adam Gaze and his gigantic eyes still have a job on this team. Le'Veon yes, Bell's he been gave a bust. Him the keys to the kingdom. Now, he let him draft the player he wanted. He let him pick the general manager he wanted, for God's sake. He was the general manager at one point. You really think Joe Douglas would be, would be the, uh, the GM of this team? If not, for, if not for Adam Gaze making that pick? Come on. You know what the problem is? They gave him the keys to a Ferrari, and he crashed the Ferrari into he the... It, he wrapped it around a tree. He, no, he crashed it into the guardrail and somehow survived and didn't die from the whole situation. The problem is Adam Gaze is dying of slow death right now because the Jets, who are dysfunctional in their ownership, don't want to make a move for somebody experienced. You can't blame... All of this. You can't, you can't put it all on Sam Darnold. Fine. Le'Veon Bell's been a bust. Mm, yeah, I, I, I guess you could say that in that he hasn't been what you paid him. A good job. There's no offensive line. You want to go there too? Yeah, we could, we could go there. Hey, you know what? You're the one ranting here. I'm just along for the ride. C.J. Mosley, who they made. I'm a, on the back. I'm hanging on the bumper. No, but C.J. Mosley, who they signed in the offseason to a pretty substantial deal. Played two games! Two games! What is happening to this team? Ugh. Now, I understand what this is probably picking between a hypodermic enema and a poison sundae, but I think the Jets are the most more disappointing team in New York this year because the Jets were expected to, if not you know, win the division, at least do well enough. I don't know if they had high expectations for the division. But, but they, they were expected to compete. The Giants were not expected to compete. They were expected to compete for a wild card. I'll give you that. They were expected to compete for a playoff spot. And they totally just wet the bed when it came to doing anything. They can't win. They lost to the Bengals. They lost to the Dolphins, who are, who are both competing for the number one overall pick. What does that tell you? Because this team has an astonishing ability to play down to its competition. I mean, they beat the freaking Cowboys, but everyone beats the Cowboys. But then they yeah, lose. They lose to the Bengals and the Dolphins. That's pretty much a, get in line. They're, they're giving that away for free. But I, just, I don't get it. I really don't. It's hard to be a Jets fan these days. 
I mean, you could think about, you know, when you went to back-to-back AFC championships. We're talking about 10 years ago, Nick. Yeah, that's a good point. That was 09. It's a good point. At least my team has won two Super Bowls. In my I was going to say, wait a minute. Mr. Giants fan who's had two Super all right, Bowls. All right, all uh, right. Yes, I recognize the privilege. And beating the Patriots, which is a monocle and doesn't happen very often. Uh, speaking of Patriots, team that doesn't seem to age and has had a quarterback for 20 freaking years. We can't keep a quarterback who is seeing ghosts. Hear ye, hear ye. His Royal Highness has decreed that the quarterback of the New York and Jets is in fact seeing ghosts, but may in fact be insane. Please commit this man to the nearest mental health facility and or stockade. Where tomatoes will be thrown at him at taxpayer's expense. Oh, this this whole Jets this whole Jets organization is at a taxpayer's expense. I'm gonna give you a minute to, to, to recover. So now, before he has a stroke on air, folks, we gotta switch gears to the NFL week fourteen. It's rapid rundown. Oh, okay. Now that I've finally caught a breath and I didn't die of a heart attack or a stroke. All right. So we have the picks. Tom sent his in. Good to know his cell phone still works all the way in the wilds of Connecticut. Yeah, seriously. I didn't know that reception went that far. Yeah, no. Uh, all right. So we are going to start with Baltimore at Buffalo. And... Baltimore, the Ravens, are a five and a half point favorite. Now, Tom picked the Ravens to cover, and I'm going to have to agree because I believe in Lamar Jackson. He's going to win the MVP. This is a great matchup, though, because Buffalo, we're not, no one's talking about Buffalo. They're nine and three going into this right. week. Right. Yeah, I, I, oh my God, I completely forgot. They've had a really good year. Josh Allen's had a recovery year and totally been playing a lot better. And this game's in Buffalo. one of the best games you'll get this week. Is it weird that Buffalo is a five-and-a-half-point dog at home? Yeah, because the Ravens are just, and Lamar Jackson's just that good. I mean, we'll get to a ridiculous comment someone made also later about but, Lamar uh, yeah, Jackson. But, I am go- but what's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go Baltimore because I just think Baltimore is unbeatable at this point. So, uh, all right, I'm going to take Baltimore. All right, moving on to, oh gosh, the Redskins at... The Packers. The Packers are a 12 and a half point favorite. Do I even need to say it? I'll say it's it. Big, it's a big spread. Wait a minute. It's a big spread. 12 and a half is a lot. Remember that. It's still Green Bay. I mean, they still can They still can put up offense. I mean, and it's the Redskins, for God's sake. Uh, be careful with that because look what happened to the Eagles last week. That's a good point. You know what? I, I still have to pick Green Bay, but I'm not going to pick them to cover the spread. I'm gonna. I'm with you. I'm gonna take Green Bay. I just think 12 and a half points. And we saw what happened with the with the Eagles and Miami. That was a, a I think a 15 point spread, and they didn't cover. So Every, everybody in Vegas pretty much fell down, down a metaphorical trap door. Yeah, seriously. All right, moving on to Denver. The Broncos at the Texans. The Texans are a nine point favorite. I'll pick the Texans, but I won't pick them to cover the spread. I think nine points is a little too wide. Uh, I'm taking Houston. Tom also took Houston to cover. I'm going to take them to cover. I think Houston is 
hopefully going to get back on the right footing. They kind of look a little bit in teeter-totter mode, even though they're winning. Uh, all right, this is actually a really, really, really good matchup. This is probably one of the better matchups of the week. The battle of two 10-2 teams. The 49ers at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, remember the Saints. This is also the battle for the number one overall seed. So it's going to be an important game, folks. But that being said, I'm going to have to pick the Saints. Really? You're, pick, you're picking the Saints? I am. Even though with San Francisco being a tough defense. San Francisco is a tough defense, but again, they're, they're coming off Baltimore, you know, absolutely kicking them in the shins. So. See, I'm with Tom here. Tom chose San Francisco to upset. I'm going to take San Francisco to upset. I think they're just playing well to the point now... They lost last week, right? Yeah, they did. I, I just said that. So, but I just think they recovered. The Saints still looking to kind of get back into that mode. Drew Brees with the thumb injury still trying to figure it out. Kamara's not been great. I'm going to take San Fran along with Tom to upset. Uh, all right, moving on to... Jeez, tough crowd. Talk about tough crowd this next game. The Bungles at the Browns. The Browns are a seven and a half point favorite. You know, can I root for everybody having a good time during the Christmas season? No, you can't. All right, so I guess I'm gonna have to take the Browns. Would it be weird if I were to somehow choose Cincy to win this game because of the dysfunction of the Browns? Yes. Well, who did he pick? Oh, he dysfunction. Dysfunction means you can find your way out of the tunnel at least some of the time. There's a difference uh between dysfunction and dumpster fire. All right, fine. Uh, we'll all take Cleveland to cover, but I wouldn't be surprised. There's a difference between being cross-eyed and having your head put on back. I wouldn't be surprised, though, since he pulled this out somehow, but uh, I'm going to take Cleveland to cover. <laughs> all right, moving on to the Ron Rivera-less Panthers at the dysfunctional Falcons. Well, they are dysfunctional one way or the other. Atlanta's dysfunctional. Uh, the Falcons are a three-point favorite. I'm going to pick the Falcons because, you know, they did just, I mean, like you said, like you said, I mean, the Panthers have kind of fallen off a cliff. That's why they changed coaches. And the Falcons have already fallen off a cliff. They kind of drank a cup of coffee after two games this season. So they used a grappling hook to pull the Panthers down into the box with them. Pretty much. No, I don't know. Who do you have here? I just said I'm taking the Falcons. Oh, you're taking, you're taking the Falcons? Whoa. Eh. I don't know. Who did he pick? He chose Atlanta to cover. <sighs> All right. I, I just think there's too much dysfunction going on in Carolina. I'll take Atlanta to cover. All right. Detroit, the Lions at the Vikings. The Vikings are a 13-point favorite. Little surprise considering Thielen's been hurt the past couple of weeks. I don't know if he's back, but wow is what I could say. And we'll mention the ineptitude of the A1 Kirk Cousins, but I'm going to... I'm still going to take the Vikings. It's a large spread, I'll tell you that much. Um, they're going to win, but I don't think they cover that spread. That, that's a ridiculously high spread. Yeah, and Tom did the same thing. He chose Minnesota not to cover. Me too. Uh, oh, God. All right. My, my fandom is totally going to cause me a heart attack in this next game. Dolphins at the Jets. The Jets are a five and a half point favorite. Uh, I, know, I don't. I don't want to say. You just, 
Considering you just spent five minutes ranting about both teams. Oh, I, I, um, I don't want to say it, but I might have to say it. Go ahead, say it. Miami's going to upset. You know what? I'm going to pick Miami to upset because... We, uh, Tom did also. We're all picking Miami to upset, but watch. Every time we do this, the Jets win. Somehow. Some way, somehow. Hey, maybe that maybe that's how we get them on. Uh, we get them on track. We keep picking them to lose every single game, and they inspire, and they uh, surprise us. We're gonna do a new, a new segment called "Beat the Jets." Oh God! All right, moving on to the Colts at the Bucks. The Bucks are a three-point favorite. Yeah, I'm still picking the Colts. I I I, I, I can't pick the Bucks. So I guess the Bucks stops here, right? Yes, it stops you. Wow, Tom chose Tampa to cover. Uh, I'm going to choose Indianapolis to upset. I think that famous Jameis might be on his last legs here with this team, to be honest. Uh, All right, moving on to the Chargers at the Jags. The yeah, I'm gonna pick the I'm gonna pick the Chargers. The Chargers are a three point favorite because you know mean old Mr. Mustache and and you know especially since the Jaguars are kind of imploding. We haven't really discussed it much, but they are imploding. So well, Nick Foles finally benched, and Gardner Minshew. Bust of a signing! Wow. You mean the eighty plus million dollars that they gave him? Exactly. You might as well take your money, pee on it, and then set it on fire. <laughs> well, I was going to say, though, the one caveat, if, which is weird because it's hard to give a caveat in this situation. The Chargers have found new ways to lose by less than three points in every game almost this season. But still, the uh, the Chargers are still technically the better team, so I'm still picking the Chargers. I mean, I'm going to choose the Chargers to cover, but watch. We'll see them lose in a whole new way, which happens every week. Uh, All right. This is probably another game of the week. Uh, The Chiefs and Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes at the New England Patriots. The the Patriots are a three-point favorite, and because it's at home, it probably should be more than that. I am going to pick the Chiefs upset. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Why are you doing it? Because Tom Brady's numbers the past couple of weeks have been a little pedestrian. And I, and I know the Chiefs have flaws. I know they do. But you know... I care about you. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. I'm, pick, I'm picking the Chiefs. Mahomes has not been so good lately after the injury. I mean, he's been good, but he's not, fi- not really finding a stride. And going into New England, where they've practically not lost a game in like the last two or three seasons <laughs> I'm taking New England to cover and Tom is also so I'm not messing with that one yep. uh, alright now you get the garbage games alright let's go picking through it the Steelers, at, the Steelers at the Cardinals the Steelers are a two and a half point favorite yeah I'm gonna pick the Steelers is it amazing that the Steelers are basically the sixth seed and are probably going to make the playoffs after that scuffle with the Browns? Yeah, pretty much. I'm taking them to cover. What did Tom do? He, he chose them to cover, too. All right. More garbage. Uh, the Titans at the Raiders. The Titans are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Really? Yes. I mean, the Raiders haven't looked that bad, but you know what? 
I think we're going to drive away from Mr. Gruden's neighborhood this week. I'm picking the Titans. Did Tennessee win or lose last hey, week? You right? can't do that. Yes, I can. I invented this segment, Mr. Sock Puppet. <laughs> Good point. That's right, Mr. Gruden. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Did they win or lose last week? I don't even remember. I think, I think they, they won. Lo- I think they lost. All right, so I guess then they have to win this week because they're usually their typical 8-8, eight and eight, so they got to win. Yeah. So I'll choose them to cover. All right, moving on to Sunday night. It is the Seahawks and Russell Wilson at the Rams and Jared Goff. And this is your prototypical pick em game. So there's no spread. It's a pick em game. Well, based on the what we've seen the past couple of weeks, I mean... Russell Wilson's a definite MVP. He's in the MVP conversation. So the Rams think, have been dysfunctional. And this is at um, at this, LA. At, in, in LA. You know what? I think I'm going to pick the Seahawks because I don't think um, LA offers much of an advantage. It's a good pick. I mean, Russell Wilson has had a really, really, really good season. He's got his he's got his options. He's got Metcalf. Got Carson, who's probably been one of the better running backs this season. And complete surprise, by the way. Complete surprise. And Jared Goff, I, they need to figure out what their quarterback situation is because they do not have a pick. I think for the next three or four years, because of the yeah, trades. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they dumped it all. They dumped it all because of the uh, Jalen Ramsey trade. So yeah. they really got to figure this out because they are in deep, deep doo doo if they do not get the situation. Uh, so am I to believe you're taking the Seahawks? Yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks. I, I mean, I've been a Russell Wilson fantasy guy all season. So, what did Tom do? Uh, he chose Seattle in the pick'em. So I guess we all chose Seattle in the pick'em there. Yeah. All right. And now to uh, take the dagger and turn it inside of you and Tom a little bit. Monday Night Football. Philly at the Giants. Want to take a guess what the spread is? Don't play these guessing games crap with me. Just tell me what the spread is. The Eagles are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, all right, yeah, I'm going to have to take the Eagles. Now, we have to mention that Daniel Jones isn't playing because of a high ankle sprain. Eli's back, and that means Eli, he's playing. Eli is back. He's probably going to finish the season with them. Which, I mean, is a, is a good thing for him to, you know, at least try to repay him for everything he's done for this franchise. The swan song. Again, if indeed this is his last year and Daniel Jones is the guy moving forward, but you know what? This team is such a dumpster fire. I'm, I'm, I'm inured to it all. I'm numb. I can't. I think, I, and I think Eli's worse because he just can't, he, with all his dunk downs to Saquon, which doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking, gonna, yeah, I think I'm going to be watching Rudolph instead, guys. Hey. Just in the interest of full disclosure, I think we're going to be watching Rudolph instead. Well, a bunch of people probably have red noses from punching themselves in the face from being a Giant fan all year. So, but, yeah, I'm taking Philly to cover. This is not even a a discussionary point. I don't care if Saquon or not. Saquon has been terrible all year. All right. Now that we've finished the rapid rundown, it's It's time time to empty the bench. All right. We have a lot of interesting stories. We have a lot of interesting stories in Empty the Bench this week. We do. We got some basketball stuff. So and and wait a minute. We have a streak that's going to go to two this week because we're going to end on sentimental. 
again. Actually, yeah. Wow. I, are we? It's a Christmas miracle. We're not miserable bastards. Every we're, we're, we're not jackholes like we usually I, are. I know. All of right. Of course, you know, if there's more than one jackhole, it becomes a jack wagon. <laughs> but speaking of jackhole or jack wagon, that's where we're going to start. The Rockets. So, yeah, take it away, Mr. Basketball. Uh, the Rockets who complain about everything. James Harden complains about everything. This play actually involved James Harden stealing a pass in the backcourt and basically uh, dunks the basketball. It goes in the, in the rim, goes through, comes back out the top, and it's not counted as a basket. And everyone is confused. Mike D'Antoni's confused. Everybody on the sideline is confused. And they chased the ball down and bounce because the ball is still technically live. They were up, I think, 15 points at the time. And they go on to overtime and they lose. They lose! I, 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 have, I have two observations for this. One, you couldn't do that again if you tried. You can't swish the ball and then have the ball be rejected. <laughs> Basically, the basket vomit the ball back up. Right. And number two, and number two, I should I should point out that when Mike D'Antoni gets angry, I'm talking about really angry. He looks like a venture capitalist yelling at the uh, yelling at the valet boy because his dented his legs. <laughs> well, so here's another issue. So apparently, they instituted a challenge system in the NBA where you could challenge a play right after it happens. But the problem is, the two refs gave two completely different explanations for what happened. It was kind of a game of musical chairs, and basically Mike D'Antoni didn't know where to sit. Yeah, Mike, and then we know what's going to come out of this. They're going to they're gonna make an appeal to the refs, and the refs are going to say, you know, no, sprechen Sie Deutsch. No, basically what they do is they say, oops, and we couldn't do anything. So well, it already happened. We can't time travel back and change things. Do you have a time machine, Mr. D'Antoni? I thought not. Or do you have a DeLorean? I, I, I so wish I had a DeLorean just so I could travel back in time. That would be fun. But I digress. But at the same time, you have 30 seconds to challenge a play after it happens. But because of the dysfunction of the two different explanations, the refs finally said, your time's up and you can't challenge it anymore. Basically... And- the Rockets want to file a protest, which I'm sure they had two days to do it after the whole incident happened. And It's the basketball version of, we're sorry, your answer must be in the form of a question. <laughs> but basically, so, just to, to keep yeah. this short, basically, they, won, they wanted the outcome changed. That's not going to happen. They, the other option is to play the last seven minutes and 50 seconds with the Rockets up 15 points, which I think is ridiculous. Move on. It's one game. And go cry somewhere else. Basically. Well, moving on. All right. You want to you want to talk came, about this yeah, next yeah. one? Reports actually came out that Browns wide receiver, ex Giants wide receiver, our 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 long our long lost star, Odell Beckham Jr. reportedly wants out of Cleveland. I mean, of course, again, take this with a grain of salt, but boy, would that be so apropos. They thought they uh, are you surprised? All the hemming and hawing he did about, you know, they sent me here to die, but I'm going to thrive, and now he wants to leave because the the Browns are just as much of a dumpster flyer, and oh, God. The problem is he killed his own 
career at this point. Now, what's funny, he was supposed to be the number one wide receiver, and Jarvis Landry was supposed to be a number two. Jarvis Landry is number one, and because Odell Beckham is taking the brunt of the double teams, that's why Jarvis Landry is the number one wide receiver. Uh, it's just uh, me, Ajita. All right, speaking of... Speaking dumps, of Ajita, we can talk about Ajita. something that gives my... Uh, we can talk about something that gives my father Ajita as a Vikings fan. All right, so Kirk Cousins and Monday Night Football don't seem to get along that well, being 0-8. He lost on Monday Night Football, which brings his overall record to 0-8. Now, if you know anything about Kirk Cousins, you know he's padding his stats, and he doesn't... You know what you're paying for. He has a below 500 record against teams that are above 500. Oh, yeah, that's perfect to give a guy a fully guaranteed contract, right? Which, uh, great. I, I talked about peeing on money before. You know what? <laughs> Here's another example of it. It's going around. Look, it's a pee party. <laughs> we'll pee on our money. Ew. Oh, God. It tells you that we're near okay, the end of the episode. Of, yeah, speaking of disgusting things, the next topic, the 49ers suspended one of their radio analysts. Tim Ryan, yes. Tim Ryan for? One game. One game. One game it was? Yeah. One, one game, yes. So he made comments about Lamar Jackson, and I'm not going to mince words here. They were racist, basically saying that I'm paraphrasing here, but he's playing so well because the ball blends in with uh, with Lamar Jackson's. Well, here it is. So he's really good at that fake, Lamar Jackson, but when you consider his dark skin color with a dark football, with a dark uniform, you could not see that thing. I mean, you literally could not see when he was in and out of mesh point. So, yeah, give, give that racist tool bag a, about five more seconds. Probably would have been talking about phrenology. He probably would have been ranting about the slope of his cranium now. But I mean, I mean, not only is it racist, it doesn't make any sense either. It's not supposed to make any sense. And what's worse is that, according to the Washington Post, the story I just uh, brought up, 49ers players are offering support for Tim Ryan after the Lamar Jackson comment. Which, what? Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm not even going to kick up that, that Nesta Hornets. I'm not. Why, why would you support a guy who made a racist because comment? It's a racist comment. I mean, let's not mince words here. If we must, call, we must, if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, and it wears white robes like a duck. Wait a minute. A Richard Sherman. Duck. Richard Sherman uh, court, uh, defensive, on defense for uh, the, the Niners said, I know Tim personally. I listened to the dialogue and saw it written. I honestly wasn't as outraged as everybody else. That's a quote from him. Which is just weird. Why, why, why would you even do that? But you know what? That, that, that's pretty much all I can add to the conversation. It's, it was a racist thing, and he should have been suspended more. It's just weird that someone would come to his defense on a racist comment. But here's the problem. He got one game for being racist when there are other uh, other guys getting more games for far less things. We yes. saw we saw Josh Shaw get suspended uh, a season plus for, and I can't say this without a straight uh, with a straight face, betting on a parlay for his team to lose. Uh, uh, boy, that's the NFL for you. And Just, I think, yeah, that, you thought it couldn't get any stupider. It gets stupider. All right, so to end on a positive note, wow, that's two weeks in a row that we're ending on a positive note. 
It's been, yes, it's been five years since one of the greatest voices in uh, sports journalism passed away. I'm talking about the late, great Stuart Scott. And we just decided we'd say it, we'd pay a little bit of a tribute to him because... We both grew up on him. We know all about Stuart Scott on SportsCenter. Him and Rich Rich Eisen kept kept me company during... uh, Elementary school mornings while I was eating breakfast. That was back when Sports Center was really a, a prominent feature. It, it, it really was. If, and if you read uh, the book they wrote about ESPN, the big. Uh, we Channel, both did. We read it for. Yeah, I, we, I read it. yeah, we all read it. And that was when ESPN and, and Sports Center specifically was at the top of its game, doing no small part to what Stuart Scott did because not only was he. Not only did he know what he was talking about, but he made it fun. Not only that, he kind of changed. Watch. And maybe you can correct me if I say this wrong, but he kind of changed the racial culture. Is that the way to kind of put it? I mean, where you could act unapologetically. You know, you didn't have to act like a, a white guy if you were, you know, some goofy white guy if you were, if you were, you know, behind the, if you were in front of the camera. And he got away with some things which were cool in a way that were not able to be said many years before that. Yes, he broke barriers. And he's again, he is one of the best, if not one, if not the best sportscaster in the nation. And I, I remember when he passed away, it hurt. Like it really it hurt. It physically hurt. I got to like, tell you, he is. You can't believe that he's gone because he's such a larger-than-life presence, especially now you can even feel his impact on ESPN. That's the problem. Like In today's times, you don't see a lot of guys and gals who are good people. They might be... But, they, but you do, but they're, full, they're few and far between this. Sarah Spain. Again, no, I'm uh, talking about historically. Historically, yeah, I, I'll, give, I'll give you that, because they don't, they don't gravitate towards those kind of people anymore. You don't see the Bob Lees. You don't see the Stuart Scotts. Chris Berman, who's one in a few. Who... It's all, again, it's all, about, it's all about the hot take when Stuart Scott taught you that it's about the substance. Well, that's what was great. Like, booyah, and cooler than the other side of the pillow. Cooler than the other side of the pillow. Get, I get a witness from the congregation. Come on. Yeah. I... You could – his lines still last yes, today. you can – you could we could spend all day just quoting him, just quoting him back and forth. He is. We just felt like we needed to end this podcast in the spirit of the season. Yeah, and, and it felt it felt like the whole world stopped when he when he yes. passed away. That, and we needed sad. we needed to pay we needed to pay tribute. And you got to feel for his daughters who are now adult. They are now. I think one of his daughters is a filmmaker. The other one is running track in college and doing well. That that's it's a great. tough that's a tough thing to go through as a young child. Absolutely, especially and, for a guy as big as Stu Wusk. And but the best thing that we can do to carry on his legacy is just remember how great he was. That's all. That's all it's about. And I'm sure Tom would say the same thing. We were all around this time when he was around, and oof, tough way to yeah. end. But we hey, know. You know we know. This we is know, what we are. We know so Stuart. Yeah. We know Stewart is somewhere watching the sports landscape. Hopefully, not taking a part in these hot take cultures, but yeah, somewhere. That's All right. Off to you.
So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Empty the Bench. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ETB Sports Pod. And make sure you follow us. We're great. So Yeah. When we're not when we're not being jackholes. Yes. Or jack wagons. So for Nick Morgison and the absent Tom O'Bannell, I'm Nick Federa. Thank you for watching Empty the Bench. Time to go back to the bench, boys. Good night, everybody! Good night and enjoy the cooler side of the pill. Thanks for listening to Empty the Bench. The podcast can be found on Facebook and Twitter at ETB Sports Pod. So make sure to give a like and a follow. And don't forget to go to emptythebenchsportspod.weebly.com to re-listen to past episodes and interviews and more information about this show and its hosts. Until next time, it's back to the sidelines.